grew up here in Enid. As a child, I attended Bible Baptist Church and learned about Jesus and what all he had done for me. After college, I moved off to the Atlanta, Georgia area with my first job and started attending a Baptist church there. It was at this church that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and was, and was baptized. I uh, remained there in Georgia for about a year and a half before moving off to Texas for the next 20 years. In 2008, I moved back to Enid and started attending EMB with my sister Desiree Heiberger and her family. Uh, I've just, over these past few years, I just have really um, felt a closer presence to God and just love and support. I've been part of a life group for the last few years, a wonderful life group that provides us so much love and support. This church just gives us so many opportunities to love each other and to support our community. And uh, I just look forward and just happy to become a member today as I continue my uh, to follow and walk with the Lord. Thank you. This is Justin and Jamie McAllister. Justin gets off the hook today because his is on video. So if we could cue that up uh, and then we'll let Jamie follow. Well, good evening. Uh, it's a pleasure to be, be able to gather in this way. I want to thank the Hopkins for their hospitality and letting us uh, use their pool to, to do a baptism tonight. As you know, baptism is not saving in nature. Um, it's not an external work that adds to your salvation. Uh, it's simply a symbol of what has happened in your heart and in your life as you've surrendered to Christ. Uh, the old man has died and been buried with Jesus, and the new man has risen uh, to life. And so it's a, a, a pleasure to be able to baptize Justin McAllister. Um, he's been coming to our church uh, for, oh, about four or five months, since about October. I got to know him and his family really well. And... Um, been cool to hear his story and what's led him to this point. I'm going to let him tell you that story now. <laughs> like a lot of people who establish a new relationship with God, they come from a dark place. And that was, that was where I came from. You know, it's, it seems like I wanted to blame my wife for every problem that we had. I wanted to blame the kids for every problem we had. I wanted to blame my job. Never really wanted to take a good hard look at myself. And one day, God worked through a friend of mine. And the way he did that was by having his friend invite me to church. Um, I don't want to say any names, but there's God in my heart. 
and just recently uh, during a church service uh, and Jay can attest to this God really had a hold of me working on my heart hard and uh, Jay asked me a couple days later if I felt like I had been saved that day and I told him I didn't know I don't know what that feels like I've never felt it before and I've had plenty of time to think about it since then and yeah I think I was saved that day I just, uh, I just want to thank everybody for being here and being a part of this. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Justin, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of, of the living God? And have you trusted in him to be your Savior from sin? Yes. Justin, because of your profession of faith in Jesus, it is my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For me, it's about 600, so um, I'll try to slow it down. Um, as you know, Justin and Jamie, we have four kids combined. We have Dalton, Dylan, um, Kenzie, and Jalen. Um, I grew up in a church, First Baptist Church in Cherokee. We attended sometimes, sometimes more. Um, at nine, I uh, come to know the Lord. I was baptized in your church. Things kind of changed in that church, and slowly we didn't seem to go as much um, through high school and then through college. And... Uh, Kind of took a different path. Um, can't say I've always been in the church. We struggled with my first husband to find a church family. We moved around a lot. Um, never seemed to do that. With my career in nursing and EMS, that's very hard. We work a lot of weekends, a lot of Sundays. It almost gave me an excuse of why we didn't go to church. Um, so when I entered this relationship, I entered a very broken individual, not knowing that at the time, and neither did he. Um, though we slowly worked about a year and a half ago, we started deciding that we need to find a church home. Um, we attended several churches, just didn't seem right. It was almost a struggle of, oh, this Sunday we got to get up. Um, and we kind of fought that battle for a while. And then um, through, I think God started working several years back, and we didn't realize what he was doing, putting people in place for us to meet, crossing paths with different people. Um, we came to know a really great family, and through uh, their leaving the church and their wedding vows, um, I introduced Justin to Brent. He's like, who's the big guy with Tanya? I said, um, that's me. Um, so that's how that kind of started. And then we had still gone to a couple church. The kids joked that every Sunday we got up, um, it seemed to be snowing or ice. So are we really doing what we need to be doing? But we went anyway. Um, so then eventually, Justin asked Brent, and this is how we ended up here. We were invited to church. From the moment we walked in, I think um, we decided this is where we needed to be. Um, we looked out the crowd and didn't realize how many people um, attended this church that we already knew. Um, and then through the work of Titus and Peter, and then we went to Starting Point, and then it went into Grace with Mark. Um, I think it's just all falling into place. And I don't think until that point it was the first time I realized what God grace really, really was. Um, so I think this is the place we need to be. And Mark even reminded me today, um, God's going to finish what he started. And I think he started when I was nine. <laughs> And uh, we're just slowly getting there, and every day is a work in progress. But um, thank you for allowing us and sharing.
Wow. <laughs> okay, um, I'm Jennifer Boyston, and this is my husband, Todd. Um, I uh, grew up here in Enid, Oklahoma. I also attended Bible Baptist Church as a child, um, as you guys maybe know or don't know. Um, it's a very strict, fundamental Baptist church. Um, at the young age of um, eight, I believe, um, I walked that long journey down the aisle <coughs> gave my heart to Jesus, and I remember that day very clearly because I remember the warmth that entered into my heart, um, and then I was baptized soon after that. Um, little did I know that God was going to work throughout my life. Um, at the age of nine, um, my father um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and um, sorry guys, um, he was the love of my life, and um, I remember as a nine-year-old in St. Mary's ICU holding his hand as he entered heaven. Um, and um, as a child, you grow up immediately after that. Um, my mother, um, some of you may know her, she's a very strong-willed um, person. Um, she automatically knew she had two young girls that she had to raise. Um, she immediately um, took on a, two jobs. Is that too close? Two jobs um, and just started providing for our family, and there was no time to grieve. We had to grow up and we had to live life. Um, I had two wonderful grandparents um, who took us every weekend and every summer. They lived on a farm in Ames. So we learned how to work hard, we learned how to give back, and we learned how to love God. And they threw us into their church. They went to the First Baptist Church there in Ames, and we grew up there with them. Um, so we learned how that looked with the church family. Um, I had the privilege with their help and others in the community to attend OBA. Um, I went there for my seventh uh, through 12th grade years. Um, learned again more about Jesus and learning how to establish relationships that are still very strong to this day. Um, went off to college, met this guy. Um, he, we met the second half of my freshman year and um, found out that he had just recently lost his father from a um, heart condition that was sudden. So we talked with each other, we bonded and worked through the grief together um, and then fell in love and then decided to get engaged and I thought, fantastic, he's going to be a football coach, I'm a nurse and I'm going to be a cheerleading sponsor. And um, we're living, yeah, and we'll live in Oklahoma and Texas for the rest of our lives around our families and friends. It's going to be fantastic. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, babe, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that's not my plan, you know. And um, he wanted to go into infantry, which meant that he was going to be the frontline soldier and he was going to be shot at. And that was going to be fantastic. Um, and he was going to move me away from my family. And... Um, I could just hear God giggle and say, you know, life's not fair, life is hard, but I've been on this journey with you, and we will do this together. So that was 21 years of life is hard. <laughs> um, when I was pregnant with Bodhi, Todd was getting ready to go off uh, to Iraq, and I remember the lunch that we went to, and he sat there and he told me, I don't feel good about this deployment. Um, what do you do with that? You know, and I'm pregnant with our second child, and um, it's scary when you don't know if he's going to come back. Um, I didn't want to live my mother's life, 
you know, being a single parent. Um, but um, I prayed, we prayed, and God said I'll protect him, and he brought him home how many times? <laughs> Ten, I believe, deployments. Um, so we understand God's love and grace, and um, we ended up here back in Enid um, about four and a half years ago, and we again were struggling with finding a church, and of course, again, Tanya and Brent um, invited us here, and I told Todd, I said, I think I've found a church that is very warm and welcoming and want us to be a part of them, and when he was home, he came with me, and he agreed, and so we are glad that you guys want us to be a part of your family. Thank you. I kind of woke up this morning um, and really don't know what to say. Uh, and of course, my daughter, she gives me the advice, hey, Dad, just wing it. Um, <laughs> you don't wing something like this, you know, and, and what's in your heart. But uh, I grew up in a little town called Campo, Colorado. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, it's about 30 miles from Boise City, Oklahoma. I moved there when I was about uh, sixth grade. And if you don't know where Boise City is, uh, if you've been to the mountains in Colorado or New Mexico, you probably drove through there, blinked an eye, and kept on driving. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, farm, ranch. Um, all the hard work was there. Um, and I was saved when I was about 13 years old. Uh, there was an old cowboy that, uh, he did the youth ministry there. And during those, you know, 13 to, uh, I don't know, 44 years, it's kind of it's strange, but you're a little awkward. In, in those moments, but he always hounded me. I, I don't care, you know, what you do. If you get a little wild child in you, I want you in Sunday school. I want you in church. So he was a big factor in my life. Uh, not to mention my my mother and my father. Uh, went to college, of course. You know, met Jen. Kind of dark days there, and she was just a blessing from God. Uh, then I surprised her. Went to the Marine Corps. A lot of crying. I, I know how you ladies feel. Um, but then in my 30s and 40s, uh, a thing called 9-11 happened, and I knew my life would never be the same. And I remember holding Brooke, uh, she was less than a year old, and watching the towers come down. And I was just like, okay, it's on. Uh, so I spent the you know, 30s and 40s in the combat zone. We hear all the, you know, the, the war stories, we see that on the news, but what you don't see is God's work being done in those areas. Um, I've seen uh, young men come to know uh, Jesus and God, baptizing, not me, but the, the, the work the chaplain corps does uh, with an infantry unit. Always have one chaplain assigned to us. So I'm baptized, you know, in the Euphrates, the Tigers, the helmet. It's just amazing, you know, to see his work being done. I remember we'd been in a firefight and stopped and the chaplain be, you know, uh, kind of traversing and checking on all the Marines out there and just blessing and saving uh, Marines right there in their fighting position, which is just amazing uh, work. And that's kind of what I wanted to share with you today that, um, you know, no matter what the circumstances is, just God's glory is just amazing where, where he uh, kind of intervenes and, you know, just right place, right time. Uh, wrong conditions a lot of times, but it, it was just awesome to see. I got a video 
uh, a, a chaplain that I served with on that deployment uh, that Jen said was kind of, we had that bad feeling about it. Um, and he was just pictures of him blessing uh, every one of us. And it was just that calm feeling, you know, dangerous situation, bad place, but that calm feeling that only God can give you. Um, and then one other thing I'd like to share with you is just kind of, you know, uh, with the kids, with uh, Brooke and Bodie, uh, going away, you know, it's, I, I, I call it a blessing. You know, that last hug before you go to that dangerous place, when you get in that last hug, is a blessing from God. The gift is when you come back, when you come back home, and you give them that hug. Mark, uh, I said in Mark's class on grace, and I really thought about it, and I was kind of recalling it today. And I was like, you know, God's grace is in me every day. When I wake up, and I can still remember that feeling of prior to going and coming back and giving those kids the hug, and Jim as well. And that's God's grace. Every day I wake up, and I hug them. It's like the first and last hug I might ever get. And, and I just want to share that with you. Thank you. Hi. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Good. I was hoping I'd make you guys laugh before I started. Um, my name is Stacia Droke, and I um, honestly have spent the majority of my Christian life hoping that the Lord would, because the Lord had been so faithful to free me from some of the pain in my past, that he would continue to keep me from future pain. That's silly. I knew it wasn't biblical. I just, I think, had experienced so much deep pain in my life that it scared me. And I hoped that if I continued to go on sharing about God's faithfulness, that he would spare me from future pain. Because he had seen the agony of my tender childhood, and he knew that I had been the product of an unplanned pregnancy that could have ended in abortion. And I thank God and my mom that she chose life, but it was a hard life. It was life in a single-parent home where he was far from the center. It was a life of poverty and pain, sexual abuse, domestic violence for a stepfather, um, emotional neglect, uh, drug-addicted family members, abandonment, and honestly more dysfunction than I really can mention here. But not only had God seen all the pain that had been inflicted upon me and all the wounds that I had experienced, but he saw my own sin. And he knew that even though I seemed to fill that good girl role pretty well, um, the damage from my past had left lasting effects on my future decisions and patterns of behavior. And really, I'm still dealing with the effects of those. But I thank God that he rescued me. Um, he sent a pastor who was doing door-to-door -door evangelism, and that pastor taught me about Jesus. He taught me how to follow God, and from that moment on, the Lord was so gracious to continuously provide me with spiritual families and spiritual mentors, and they taught me how to listen to God's voice, how to obey his promptings. And I think I would have denied it at the time, but I kind of went on from that moment with my Christian life, hoping that I could control my circumstances by my behavior. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I I thought that I just really wanted to, I had had such a hard life, I really wanted to live a normal and somewhat pain-free life, and that became an idol to me. And for a while, I did live a, an ideal life. I After college graduation, I met, I married an Air Force pilot who loved Jesus, and he taught me, he um, 
Taylor was really, um, he offered me the stability and security that I had always craved. Um, God later blessed us with three beautiful girls, and we lived an ideal life. We were on leadership in our church. We hosted life groups in our home, and I attended and taught ladies' Bible studies, homeschooled our children, and I knew it wasn't true, but I hoped that if I continued to do all the right things, that God would keep me from future suffering. But what he taught me was to refuse suffering is to refuse growth. And I had a lot of reason to want to avoid future adversity because all the wounds from my past had left me really scarred. And secretly, I, I deeply, deeply feared adversity until four years ago when my world came crashing down and I faced one of my greatest fears head on. And it was deep betrayal, emotional trauma, and it was the deepest pain I ever experienced in my life. But the God of all comfort showed up and he healed my heart in ways that I did not even know were possible. And then I went on continuing to live my happy life and trying to do what I had done my whole life, try to forget, deny, and stuff the pain that I experienced, and just pray and hope that that was the end of it. But it wasn't. And for, or last year, actually, when my family was stationed in Germany, um, my four-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And once again, the Lord carried me through her emergency brain surgeries, and he healed her. It was amazing, and through my time with Kate and the PICU, God taught me what it meant to rejoice in my sufferings. He taught me to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, and I'm so glad that he taught me that lesson when he did because I would need it. Um, last May, another series of circumstances and more deep betrayal made it necessary for my girls and I to move back to the States, and we left the life that we had built in Germany and along with most of our possessions and my husband. And honestly, this has been the toughest season of my life. Um, it's been really hard, but the Lord has been more near and more real to me than I've ever experienced in my life. And I've experienced him being real to me in a lot of ways. But I know that he is currently healing my broken heart, and he's binding up my wounds, and he's using ministries like Restoring the Soul, Celebrate Recovery, some wonderful counselors, and wonderful, amazing praying friends in my life to do that. And he's using this season to produce something in me that I really could not produce on my own. He's pressing me further into Jesus and allowing him to be my sufficiency. And he's also teaching me not to fear pain, because... He has made known to me the path of life. He fills me with joy in his presence and with eternal pleasures at his right hand. And, you know, the Lord has been so gracious to bring the girls and I back to Enid. It's so funny. My first two daughters were born here. This, is, this was our first assignment over 10 years ago. And I never thought I would end up back in Enid. <laughs> but um, we, the Lord... I just wish I could tell you all. I wish I had the time to explain all the miraculous ways that he gently led me here and guided me. He held my hand and he held my heart and he led me right back here to this town, to this community, to this church. And I moved around a lot growing up and, um, and in adulthood being a military wife. And nowhere really truly felt like home, but something about Enid feels like home. And God knew that and he brought me here and he's a full circle God and he does that kind of thing, and I am um, 
we don't have family here in Enid. A lot of people ask, why did you choose Enid? Well, God brought me to Enid. And um, we don't have family here, but we have friends who feel like family, and we're really excited about making this our church family. that uh, um, took, took me to church and uh, really laid the foundation for uh, the rest of my life. Um, I remember praying when I was uh, in my bed at night alone when I was about five or six years old, just simply, uh, Jesus, come into my heart, devil, get out. And that's when I considered myself uh, to accept Christ. Um, I was baptized um, around 12 in the same church that I, that I grew up in. Um, and then from there, really, um, my journey with the Lord, um, I feel like, has really developed um, in my adult years, primarily um, with the military and uh, just being a type A person and uh, wanting a plan for my life and God never giving me that plan, but showing his plan is, is the best and the right way. Uh, in particular, just with the assignments that I've had, um, I've never been in line with what I would have planned, but it led, um, led us together, um, just meeting down in San Antonio last year and being newly married. Um, just excited to have been led here to, to EMB and this church, and um, just excited to see what God has for us to continue to grow uh, in, in both of our walks with him and uh, with each other as well. So. I know I'm in trouble because I've been crying the whole time while everyone else is going to give their testimony. Um, so I too grew up in a Christian home and was really blessed to have parents that um, sacrificed a lot and pointed me to Christ and particularly a mother that um, was just very selfless. And um, I remember accepting Christ driving to school one day when I was six or seven. She would always sing in the car with me or pray. And I remember explicitly like asking her to say that prayer with me and to guide me. Um, and I think it's just a testament to um, moms and parents that um, just pouring into your children and pointing to Christ. Um, I know my mom is a pivotal part of that. Um, and then being baptized when I was 10 or 11. And um, my life was really not the norm. I grew up with a disabled brother so much of my childhood was growing up quickly. Um, we didn't have holidays or the normal things. Um, and then being about 13 or 14, um, my dad had a heart attack in front of me and almost passed away. And so that was a catalyst for um, sort of asking the big questions that people normally don't ask until your 20s and even sometimes never of why does God let bad things happen? Um, where is his hand? Is God sovereign in this? And at a teenage, as a teenager, that just being a really hard thing to, um, to answer. But um, even then, knowing and feeling God's hand in my life and my heart just forming in me and just feeling at peace despite sort of my world always being in chaos and my parents trying to provide stability and um, just my dad leading um, just always being the rock in our family as a godly man. So 
Um, I would say that was sort of the beginning of my journey as like a true knowledge of God. Um, just ongoing circumstances as a teenager of um, hardship for our family. Um, and then into college, I was blessed to go um, to a school where um, I was able to gain a lot of understanding of the Bible and theology. And, and that, in turn, um, I think sheltered me from a lot of uh, just God's, God's protection, sheltered me from um, just bad, potentially bad decisions, and was blessed to have friends and accountability that I, I can very visibly see. Um, his hand in that, and like Josh said, nothing, everything in my life that I thought would turn out a certain way didn't. Um, and so graduating, and God really just broke down the walls of my heart of what was head knowledge wasn't heart knowledge. And really questioning, was I a Christian? Could I see the fruit? Um, and just it being a really dark time of um, just examining my own life and just like wondering what I was doing. Um, and so the, um, it was single through most of my 20s, and it can just say that I think that was a time that God used to, um, to grab a hold of me and to shape me and, and mold me and just to really work in my heart and to prepare for, for leading us both together and now in marriage of just the challenges of extending <laughs> grace and um, forgiving and just seeing how much he's changed my heart. Um, in just the couple of months, and even now, just to being here at EMB, I grew up in a church, um, and a lady in that church, her husband was doing residency in the town, and that's how we found EMB. And so, I went from a civilian life of having a career, and that sort of being my identity, to giving that all up, and never thought I would be a military spouse, and seeing how my plans were never. God's plans, and um, I'm just thankful that he led us here so quickly, and to have a church community um, that has really challenged us and has grown us, so we're excited, thank you. My name is Brian Bishop, um, I see the pastor stressed about time, and he sees me with the Bible. I grew up here in Enid, Oklahoma. I'm sure that there are uh, many outlaw legends that still exist today, and they are probably true if you've heard them. Um, I'll uh, share with you. I just want to share a scripture. I've never actually shared as an itinerant speaker. I've never shared my testimony in less than 22 minutes. <laughs> But I will do so today, and I have no glasses. Um, but I pretty well have it memorized, because this is pretty much me. <clears throat> First Timothy 1, 15 through 17. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save, the, save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Um, that is very true. I was 
the worst of the worst. Um, I have my own sad story um, with with plenty of heartache, um, with many moments that would horrify you. I will share. I will not share. I, I would not be responsible for heart failure for anyone here. Um, my father killed himself when I was in sixth grade. Um, I would like to tell you I was upset about it, um, but I didn't really know him. Um, he, I was born to a mother who was a junior in high school. Um, my parents were never really together. He showed up to be dad for a day at a time or two in my life. My mom remarried. I had a horrible relationship with a mentally abusive stepfather. I moved out halfway through my junior year. Um, that's really good, a, a wild teenager on his own. Um, and I was wild, <laughs> very. And uh, I had felt like I had plenty of reasons. Wasn't that I didn't believe in God, but I had plenty of reasons to rebel against God for the hand that I felt like he had dealt me in life. Um, and I did rebel. To the fullest extent. Um, and then I, I, uh, I, I sought satisfaction in, in everything that the world could offer. Um, I got married uh, to this hot woman. And, um, <laughs> she thought she was going to vomit before, but she might have I have it all on CD. If you want one, I'll say one for five bucks. I give you one, but the wool feels a little tough right now. Um, but anyway, um, as the last resort, my wife, um, because I was a terrible father to two young children, because I was an even worse husband, as a last resort, sought refuge in the church. And uh, she began to change, and I didn't like it very much. She began to fight unfair. <laughs> she got my name on a women's prayer list. <laughs> and unless you want some serious change in your life, that's not where you want to find your name. <laughs> For a number of reasons, I agreed to attend church, but I wasn't doing the freaky Baptist thing, going three, four times a week and all that. And the um, thing is, I went to a Christian school through the sixth grade. I was in the youth group almost every Sunday, most of my life. I grew up in a family that went to church, but we were not Christians. I never had a collusion with Christ. Um, and I was broken. I was sitting in the second pew of the First Baptist Church in Sealing, Oklahoma. In God's sovereignty, he took my heart captive. And today, I remain uh, a remedial project that he has. I know, don't know why. I can still screw up a one-man rock fight. <laughs> but that was 18 plus years ago. Since that time, I've been a youth pastor, a pastor, scary, those poor people. Um, a 
college pastor. I've been a campus pastor at OGA. Um, and I was an itinerant speaker for seven years, traveled the United States, several other countries, speaking at camps, conferences, and events. Um, but I walked away from the ministry because I had enough of abusive pastors, bully pastors, bully churches, who bully pastors. And I swore I would never join another church that was not elder-led and that the pastor was not one among equals and that was not based on the biblical model and that the pastor didn't proof text to say what he wanted it to say. I, I, I gotta be honest, we've served churches and, and I didn't really want to like this place. But we found a place that I believe the pastor preaches the word with hermeneutics, crazy I did. Um, but uh, systematically and uh, we feel welcome. We feel that it is a church that is seeking to follow the biblical model set out, not one that we find we want and enjoy better. And um, we're blessed uh, to seek membership in your body. Uh, I'm far from perfect, um, but uh, I don't pretend well, so um, it was time. And Thank you. I'll pass it. Okay, I grew up in a Catholic church. Um, I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, catechism, went through First Communion, served as an acolyte. Um, I loved my church. I loved my church, but I never found Jesus there. Never. Um, I, when I was 16 years old, I went to a Baptist revival, and uh, some, some girlfriends, we all went, we went, we went to get out of the house, I'm not even going to lie, um, <laughs> so we, we went to this Baptist revival, and I had heard things I had never heard before, and um, God really spoke to my heart through all that, and I remember coming home, and, and I had talked to the pastor, and I had my, they, they sent me home with a Bible, as a Catholic, you don't get a Bible. You know, you're not you're not really encouraged to uh, pursue the Word. And they sent me home with this Bible, and it was treasure to me. I everything I still have it, and everything that was ever important in my life, I put in this Bible. Um, I didn't read it, but it was important to me. Um, so I came home that night after revival, and I told my mom. I said, "Oh my gosh, I had the most amazing time. Um, I really cannot please go to this youth." And she said no. And so, in my sweet little sin spirit, I said, I'll show you. So, I became the most rebellious teenager. Um, I sought after the things of the world. I sought after filling voids that my dad had left. Um, I pursued my own goals and ambitions and knew in my mind what I was doing was wrong, but... I guess I needed to prove a point. So 
Um, like Brian said, our marriage was falling apart. Things were crazy, um, out of desperation. And God's sovereignty. I had a salon at the time, and I had um, a girl who came to work there, and her pastor, God, he just kept coming by. He would stop by and visit, and he just seemed so normal, like a guy you could have a conversation with. I could ask him something and not feel stupid. And I just really respected him, and so I invited myself to church. And um, I went to church, and I took my kids, and I loved it. And I loved the fellowship, and I loved the women. And, you know, the thing was, they loved me where I was at. They didn't, they knew, they knew I was broken. Sealing's a small town. <laughs> they knew, um, they knew our party lifestyle. They knew our craziness. And they just loved me, and they welcomed me and my family. And then when Brian would come, um, they just, they loved him. And it was so unconditional, and it was just refreshing. So... Um, I gave my life to Christ. Got, I think Brian and I got baptized the same day. Um, and so I've um, just been trying to pursue Christ and live for him. And the funny to this story is, once again, the croakers are involved. <laughs> because um, I'm pretty sure it was Catherine who invited Rita to Awana. And um, that's kind of how we got started here. And, and just being welcomed here and... and um, I just thank you guys for loving us where we were at and um, just continue to help us grow to where we want to be. I'd like to just say, um, I'll give it to you in just a second. Um, Stand right here. <laughs> no. Um, Christ healed wounds in me that, that nothing else could heal. He did for me what drug treatment couldn't do. Um, he did in our marriage a miracle. As we each individually grew closer to him, we grew closer together. Um, he healed wounds and, and somehow seemed to erase uh, the person that I was from my children's memories. Um, and we have been blessed with, with two biological children who who have exceeded our expectations. And my son is a better, far better man than I, in spite of me. And we are blessed to have adopted three uh, amazing kids um, who we thought we were going to give life and teach about God. And they gave us life and taught us far more about God than we could have ever taught them. So, thank you. Awesome. One thing I wanted to announce is that uh, we are we're hiring Brent Croker to be our evangelism pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pay him in Octavia's tacos and uh, Dr Pepper. So that's, that's going to happen. Uh, all those that are joining, please come back up front. We're going to do this uh, one last thing. And we're going to do this all together. So not only you guys together up here as new members, all 12 of you who did an awesome job. Isn't there just great power in story? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a vulnerable thing to get up here and do this. They did it. You be vulnerable now. Tell them your story uh, as, these, as these weeks go along. I'm going to ask you guys to stand as well. So as I ask these new members these questions, you're going to respond by saying we will, and you're going to respond with them. So instead of doing it twice, we're going to do it all together once and, and commit uh, to doing these things together as a church family. So, church family, new members, will you protect the unity of the church, always acting in grace toward other members? Amen. Will you walk together in brotherly love, exercising care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully building one another up? Amen. Will you commit to gathering together, attending faithfully to give your time and your talents and your treasures to encourage one another toward love and good deeds? Amen. Will you serve the ministry of the church in the name of Jesus in spreading the gospel among all people. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for this just time together that meaningful seems like too small a word. So we thank you for being able to hear the hearts of these new members and inviting them in open arms, committing them to, to covenant together in the way that we've just done. Thank you for your grace in all of this because it's all over it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, if you need to leave now, as uh, somebody who attended the first service, go ahead and do that and tell the people that are outside waiting to come on in.